This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications at TryLifeMD.com? We're now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. It's fun to put on jeans that you couldn't get into six months ago. Every morning, I look forward to getting on the scale. For anybody who's struggling with their weight, it's a godsend. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at trylifemd.com. That's T R Y L I F E M D.com. Do you bleed green? Are you an ultimate Eagles football fan? Well, you're in the right place. Well, you're in the right place. This is Birds 365, hosted by the new Mac and Mac, Jody McDonald. And John McMullen. And here we go, here we go. Who collectively have covered and talked about more than 50 plus years of Eagles football. Kick off your day with Birds 365. You'll get debate. We love to argue. You'll get the real story from inside the locker room. And you'll hear from some of the great football minds from around the region. You're about to become an Eagles insider. Get in the game. Join Jody Mack and Johnny Mack and join the football community that flocks to Birds 365. Birds 365 starts right now. Welcome to the NFL. Let's go. Let's go. Go. Morning, Birds Nation. It's a non-football Thursday here on Birds 365. You got your Mac and Mac guys, McMullen and McDonald here hanging with you. Yeah, it's just kind of weird, Johnny Mac. Uh, when we start these shows, I note what day it is, what time of the week is. And we're leading up to a weekend full of football. Yeah, not happening this week. Unless, of course, you're going to be watching the XFL. XFL, baby. Yeah. Yeah, USFL I, starting soon too. They had a draft. I don't know how. I don't know how that works, but they just, had a draft. I just read a note that the XFL ratings were not great. Uh, the, excuse me. The, yeah, the X, uh, XFL. XFL. Yeah. Um, compared to a couple of years ago, pre-pandemic, when they had to shut it down, they actually did bigger numbers than they did this time. And um, I, I don't know about you, but I have ESPN on 
basically all weekend. When I get up in the morning, I put on ESPN. I just leave it on there all day before I get to doing my CBS shows, jump around, watch the college basketball games. They made a push last weekend to try and get the XFL over. Uh, as a wrestling guy, I know you understand yeah. what I mean by that term when I say get them over. Uh, the it, Rock following them around to camps and meeting with guys and a Hawaii kid who was trying uh, all uh, trying to get you to feel good about the actor. Yeah, not good. Uh, football's football, and I love football just like everybody else. Are these guys just women? It is the small piece of the pie that you can get in spring football really worth doing? The NFL is such a, a <clears throat> monolith. That's a word we used there on the show within the last yeah. month. Uh, it, it, are they just swimming upstream and wasting their time? I think so. I've had a talk. Now, I think it's great for players, developmental players, players who don't want to give up on their NFL dreams. So there's two sides to it. But, you know, the people, and I know this because I'm a wrestling guy, why Vince restarted it is, you know, there was sort of pre-pandemic, there was a, uh, a television uh, boon when it came to rights fees. Um, and the goal was never to compete with the NFL. It's not about competing. It's not about competing with the NFL now. It's about getting rights fees from TV providers because very few things on television, people haven't noticed, draw ratings anymore. With the explosion of streaming and, and things like Netflix and Hulu and Apple TV uh, versus traditional television providers about the only thing that provides consistent, solid, consistent ratings as professional sports. So the thought is, you know, they're giving out these rights fees and Vince, Vince McMahon, I'm talking about went through it with his own, his wrestling company. It just exploded. I mean, he makes uh, over a billion dollars a year for TV rights. He's like, if I can get 200 million a year, which is a drop in the bucket compared to the NFL, you, you can make a very, very profitable business. And that was the goal, and that was the plan, and that was the business plan. And the pandemic hit, and obviously everybody pushed back, you know, pulled back from a, a spending um, aspect. Since, you know, now post-pandemic, they're still willing to play, uh, pay for the brands, the brands, and I'm, and NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, WWE, they're still willing to pay. And this is my other buddy, Tony Khan, I, who I know, that was his plan. All right, I'm going to start this thing. I'm going to get rights fees. And that's really where his company is on the precipice because they're negotiating, they're about to negotiate TV deals. Are they going to get a big increase? Are they not? If they don't, they're in deep trouble. So that's sort of what everybody's banking on. And the economy's gotten worse. Um, and people aren't as willing. Now, they'll pay for the NFL. They'll pay for the big brands. But that secondary brand, there's been no evidence that they're willing to pay for that. And the first foray, first weekend for the XFL, not a good starting trend. Not dead in the water yet, a little early. And they weren't awful, but they weren't as uh, good as some may have expected, at least the way I looked at it. And yeah, I used to work in TV 35 uh, years ago. Yeah, but it's uh, a lot different ratings. Like ratings today, Jody, 
from when you're thinking of, or what, except for the NFL, put the NFL aside because they draw ratings no matter what. But ratings, if, if you draw 4 million people on, on, on network television on a Friday night, that's unbelievable now. It, it would have been a disaster, would have gotten you canceled uh, inside of two weeks 20 years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Now it's considered a success. So it's a lot different than it used to be. Understood. Uh, but that wasn't where I was going. This is just in comparison to two years ago, not 25, 30 years. Ago. I was just saying, I used to actually know how people in TV thought and what the game plans were a long, long time ago. And you're right. That has changed drastically. But I was just making the comp from just two years ago and the numbers were down. That's not a good sign. You can comp from just two years ago. You're right. You can't comp anything to 20 years ago. The, the, the world was different. The technology was different. The way we viewed things was very different. But this was just two years ago, and they didn't get off to a great start. But anyway, uh, sorry to get off on a tangent on the XFL. John, Eagles football, one of the defensive coordinators they interviewed and met with will not be the D.C. for the Philadelphia Eagles, Jim Leonard uh, and Eagles at least as per the reporting, mutually decided. Mutually. Now mutually is, decided. <laughs> uh, you can believe what you believe. I'm not buying Are you uh, buying it? I'm not buying it. Probably not. Uh, I think one, and, and um, I don't know that I don't buy it, but uh, when you say mutually, you think it was 50-50. They looked at each other at the same time and said, nah. Uh, no, I do not believe that. I believe one of the two parties was more in the lead of deciding that was no, it wasn't going to work out. Eagles. Um, but uh, I, I, if, if not, I, uh, I think that Jim Leonard might have been able to read the room and say, all right, I'm not getting this one. They're going another direction. So you do that off. I've done it in my yeah. life. I'm sure oh, you've yeah. done it as well. Oh, yeah. uh, you, you break up with her before she breaks up with you. You see the hammer coming. So you go, yeah, yeah no, let, let, let yeah. me make my decision here ahead of time. E either way, doesn't matter. It's irrelevant. It's not happening. I thought it was a good name. I'm a I'm a Leonard guy because he gave my Jets 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 two very good years as an undersized, hard fighting safety. Who those are the guys who I think usually make good coaches. I didn't study him enough or know him enough at Wisconsin to go. And he was great at this and not so good at that. Uh, just know that his numbers were pretty darn good in uh, across <coughs> the board in college football. If he wasn't a fit with the Eagles at this time, doesn't mean he can't get another gig at some point. Uh, he was scheduled to have surgery, the type of surgery you could put off and just deal with. Um, he, now that he didn't get the Eagle job and was leaning toward having this surgery done on an off year and taking a year off from coaching, but he was intrigued enough by the Eagle job that he said, oh, yeah, I'll go meet with these guys. I didn't pan out, didn't work out. Uh, he'll get his surgery. Uh, hope I'm a, as I said, a Leonard fan. I hope he gets another gig at some at some point. But that's just one guy you could cross off the list. I I thought he was kind of a uh, rank outsider to get the gig anyway. How about you? Yeah, I never. Um, and now he's replaced by Glenn Schumann, uh, the co-defensive uh, coordinator at Georgia. Uh, who is evidently going to get an interview. Um, so that would be the third college coordinator they've looked at. So it's interesting you bring this up, Jody, because I was just, I, I texted, I was texting with a, a former personnel guy yesterday. I said, what what the heck's going on with this search, man? It's wacky. Um, where, the, where are they going with this? You know, 
they talk one way in front of the cameras. You know, Nick believes in the scheme we talked about that people don't like. Um, you know, he he, he reiterated that um, at his season-ending press conference. Um, you know, the Eagles are trying to pay Jonathan Gannon head coaching money to stay. Uh, what the heck's going on here? This, this search doesn't uh, align with that. And, you know, he's not involved with the search, so he doesn't know, but he just gave me his thoughts, and I thought, you know, it was pretty interesting. And I talk about it all the time. One, football is the rare industry where innovation trickles up. It doesn't trickle down. In other words, the innovation doesn't come from the pro level. It generally comes from the college level. Uh, So picking the – the uh, and honestly, to be honest, it comes from the high school level, then it goes to college, then it goes to the pro level. Um, but picking the heads, uh, the minds of the best uh, coordinators from college football makes sense from that perspective. You want to get ahead of the curve. I often talk about the next thing. Vic Banjo, when he got the job in Miami, I don't know if you noticed, uh, Jody, but he said, Yeah, he's not happy, everybody's copying him because. He knows people are going to catch up. The more you see it, the the, the more you, you know it, and, and it's easier to deal with. So he said he's got to keep evolving. Um, so I think it's good to pick their minds. And then he also said, you know, look at how Nick got hired. You know, you, you keep interviewing, you keep interviewing, you keep interviewing. And if somebody blows you, uh, you, you know, blows your mind, blows off the page and says, this guy, this is, this is the guy. Like Nick says with Jamal Singleton, this is the guy. Yeah, then go hire the guy. But if not, what can you do with Denard Wilson? You can say, well, look, we did this extensive search. We talked to everybody. We talked to college coaches. We talked to a former head coach in Vance Joseph. We talked to a former coordinator in Sean Desai, associate head coach. And Denard Wilson's the best guy. You can spin it that way. So there's really no downside to it. If somebody blows your mind and, and, and thrills you, you can hire them. And if not, you can go back to your original plan and say, we talked to everybody in the world, and Denard Wilson is the best guy. Uh, but uh, I went there yesterday, and I apologize. I don't remember what you said. I think when we had done one, I remember what he said either. Um, here's the only downside, John. The way you put it out there, you're right. You can spin it and make it sound great, except if you're Denard Wilson. And I know you just got the gig, so you can only be so put off. But if I'm Denard Wilson, I go, wait a minute. You had to talk to 17 other guys before <laughs> hiring me? And how yeah. many other guys did you talk to before hiring Brian Johnson? Uh, nobody. That would be zippity doo And they may come up with a name or two and it may be one of those uh, faux interviews because uh, they already got their guy. So you're going to tell me that you're giving me all the power of the defensive side where I'm more on my own with Sirianni being an offensive coach than Brian Johnson. But Brian Johnson, you basically handed the job to, and I had to sit around sweating, you know what, uh, waiting to see that you guys selected me as the defensive coordinator. Yeah, I I don't know that that's a good situation for the Eagles to be in. No, I mean, I think that's kind of part of the industry. I mean, Denard's only 40 years old, um, you know, another young coach, coach from that perspective. He's never been a coordinator before. 
I mean, yeah, you could say the same thing about Brian Johnson, but Brian has, you know, Brian's even younger than that. Uh, but Brian has a long history with Jalen Hurts. It's kind of obvious why they're going with uh, Brian Johnson. I, honestly, I think it's more of a probably more of an issue with Kevin Petullo um, because technically, you know, he would be higher on the chart and would be, you know, getting jumped over. Whereas Denard, you know, it's part of the industry. 40-year-old guy's never been a coordinator. Um, I don't know how much cachet you can bring to that and say, oh, you're insulting me. I mean, you know, maybe Bance Joseph, if it were if Bance were here with his resume, you know, longtime defensive coordinator, former head coach, I could see that a little bit more. But in Denard's case, yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of, not a lot of power there, not a I, lot of. Cachet I, well, he's there. not going to do anything. I'm just worried uh, about his own thought process if he comes in questioning himself rather than just, "Hey, I'm now the man." They're going to give him the job, and and they're going to say all the right things, but the the way that the two new coordinator roles have been filled aren't really comparable. So if you tell me it's not going to be an issue because he's just going to be excited enough and happy enough to get the gig. All right, fine. I hope you're right. But uh, I, I would feel a little bit differently if I were in his shoes. An interesting point you made about the relationship between uh, the new potential offensive player and the quarterback. If you are Denard Wilson, who are you sidling up next to on Eagle defense? Who's the guy you want to become inseparable with? If that's a good way to get a gig or keep a gig is have this outstanding relationship with one of your star players, nobody better than the quarterback and good on uh, the offensive coordinator because he's in a good position. Who would you tie your wagon to if you were uh, the Eagles' new defensive coordinators if they hire? Kind of depends on, on, on who's back, right? I mean, uh, normally it would be – obviously you're not going to have anybody with the with that sort of – gravitas as as the quarterback uh the quarterback of the defense is tj edwards we don't even know if he's going to be back but uh you know he's not that kind of superstar that jalen has turned into uh he's going to make you know 50 million dollars so um it, it would be the veteran guys you know is brandon going to be back i think he's going to be back but we got to see spletcher going to be back i i, I would lean less you know you know, oh, see, I'm, I'm less I'm, than fifty percent on on Fletcher. I'll I'm say looking that. at a younger guy, uh, veteran. If they're thinking about retiring, but if a those year guys later, are back, Jody, if those guys are back, they're leading the locker room. You know, it might be for a year, but that's all you need for a year, and then you go to the next guy. Who else would you take? Hassan Reddick's the yeah. best player, but he's not. He's not that guy in the locker room. He's a great guy, but you know. Fletcher and 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 Brandon are the Jason Kelseys of the defense. Um, I'll give you I'll give you the guy, and Sled? I know he hadn't done anything yet, but I you know how big a fan I am. Nicobe Dean is going to be that guy. He's going to be starting <laughs> yeah, next year. He's stepping in with two years from now. They're going to have to redo his contract and. Because I'm trying to comp it to where the situation where Jalen Hurts is. And I know, quarterback's quarterback and an MVP candidate. I'm not telling you that in two years, N'Kobe Dean's going to be the defensive player of the year in the NFL. But a young guy 
who they're going to want to keep around, who it might be helpful because he has a great relationship with the coach. He's that guy for the Eagles. Yeah, you and I are going to agree to disagree on that one. First of all, the position. I mean, the Eagles don't give a hoot about the position. Um, and and we'll see how much they they care this year with TJ because TJ's an unrestricted free agent. I think somebody's going to want to pay him, and we're going to see what the Eagles do. In theory, if the Eagles bring TJ back um, – you know, Nicobe's going to slot in as the weak side linebacker, which is Kaiser White's role. I mean, I hope he plays well, but that even if he plays well, even and I've made this comparison before because he replaced, you know, Roquan Smith at Georgia and Roquan's such a good player and uh, top 10 pick, yada, yada, yada. Um, you know, look at Chicago. Chicago was like, ah, all right. well, you, know, you know, the position is so devalued in the NFL. I even that's why I said, even though TJ's the quarterback of the defense, the the position's too devalued. It's like it's like it's like snuggling up to a running back on the offensive side. It does, you know, it's, it's not going to do much for you. Okay. Yeah. You know, I'm a Kobe Dean guy and I'm still believing that when he gets a chance, he's going to end up being a big time playmaker for the Philadelphia Eagles. All right. He's John McMahon. I'm Jody McDonald coming up. Oh, in the next couple of minutes, he hasn't jumped into the green room yet, but we expect him to any minute. I know some of you guys on the stream have missed him this week. Our buddy, Jeff Kerr is taking a little bit of a hiatus with Good Morning NFC East. So you haven't had a chance to tune in and find out what uh, JK is thinking. Oh, we'll give you that chance. Jeff Kerr scheduled to join us next here on Birds 365. fans were cut from a different cloth born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life we believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible while we may be from different neighborhoods come sunday we are one and we will be heard Hondley hockey official partner of the philadelphia eagles Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Hi everybody, my name's Jason Lombardi, I'm an inspector at Drytech. 
At DryTech, we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs, and then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My name is uh, Fran Soleno. I'm a managing director here at DelVale Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. John McMullen, I'm Jody McDonald. That makes this the Magamac Show here on Birds 365 on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. And yes, please hit that like button if you get the chance sometime today. Even if even if you don't like us, come on, just do it because you're a nice guy. I, even if you know you're lying, you, ah, damn it, hit the button. It really is. It's not like we're charging you for it or anything, but they tell me it helps with the algorithm. I have no idea. Bloody idea. Yeah, I worked in TV 35 years ago. Johnny Mac told me, hey, hey Jody, you forget everything you learned back then because it's a whole new bright world yeah, that we're dealing with. Yeah, in some ways, not in, not in good ways, but it is. Yeah, so like, share, subscribe. Hit us up. Uh, uh, thanks for uh, streaming on in. Jeff Kurtz could, should join us in a couple of minutes. He was doing an interview on another station. He should be. Oh, Kansas City. In. Jeff uh, turning his back on the Eagles fans. So we'll, oh, well, you don't yeah. know. Maybe he's going on to Kansas City Station and, and trash yeah. talking. There he uh, is. Good folks. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's kind of difficult to do when they won the game. Uh, you can do all the trash talk. Well, uh, like, like John and like a lot of others here in town, continue to sing the song of, the better team lost the game. I oh, I believe that. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, I know you don't. They, but they, where you and I disagree, they had a parade in Kansas. Now that's City. old. School, all we've had man. is a parade of people complaining about a call in the last two minutes of the game that could have won the game. Well, I, I haven't complained the about Eagles the Eagles. Actually, won the game. The Eagles lost the game. The Kansas I, City I have game. I have no issue with that call. You have never heard me complain about officials, the field. I do not complain about that kind of stuff. Both teams played with the same officiating staff. Both teams played on the same field. And I always bring up, yeah, you and I just fundamentally disagree. I always bring up the 16-0 and Patriots. I don't care how many people tell me, well, the Giants are better because the Giants beat the Patriots. No, they were better on that day. They deserve right. credit for playing for and 60 minutes of football. Hi, but Jeff they are not Kerr. the better football team. Hi, Jeff Kerr. How are you? Um, you're right. The Patriots were undefeated until that game. So you're comparing this year's Kansas City Chiefs to that team's New York Giants. How many games did the Giants win that year? No, I'm leading up to the Super Bowl. And, and we'll bring and I'll get Jeff stalled on this. No, I'm not comparing. I'm saying that is such a lopsided uh, example of what I'm talking about. You can't deny it. One team was obviously better, but they lost. No, the Eagles and Chiefs were very close. I'm not saying it was that lopsided, but I'm saying the Eagles were the better, more well-rounded team, 
after 30 minutes of football, I admit, I thought, I said, Kansas City can't deal with this team. They're done. I give the Chiefs all the credit in the world for that second half. Not all the they credit, because you're still saying they were a lesser team. They are a lesser team. In my, <laughs> and, and, and my opinion, the better team lost. It happens every week in the NFL. There would be no such thing as upsets. Upsets happen John, all the John, time. John, you're arguing the possibility of there being an upset. I get that. That wasn't what happened on Super Bowl Sunday. The Eagles were a point-and-a-half favorite. The Eagles weren't a nine-point favorite. They were a point-and-a-half favorite, and they got beat. That, to that's me, swings the well, pendulum a, from one side to the other. I'm not arguing that got beat. I'm arguing that's a slight <laughs> upset. I'm arguing the better team lost the football game. It happens all the time. You're acting like it never happens. No, you're, you're acting like you can compare an upset like the Giants over the Patriots. No, that's not what I said, Jeff. Help me out. That's not what I said. I said that's such a lopsided example of what I'm talking about that even people that disagree with me, like you can't deny that it happens because that is so lopsided. Wouldn't try I'm not to comparing deny it. Upsets, those... upsets happen all yes, the time. In they happen yes. every week. I, I acknowledge that. That wasn't the case in this game between the Kansas City Chiefs you're and like, the Philadelphia Because Eagles. it's the Super Bowl, because the teams are relatively even, evenly matched, because they won the football game. What does that mean? If they play 100 more times, Kansas City's going to win? If they play 100 times, I think the Eagles are going to win more than 50. That's my point. That's okay. my only and point. I, and I think Kansas City wins more than 50. Because right. here's the one thing that I know I did, and I think a, a large percentage of Eagle fans did, including you, John, um, because of the stance you've taken. We underestimated the coaching matchup. It happened. And if you tell me Jonathan Gannon would have figured it out for the second game, well, shoot, that stinks because he didn't figure it out for the first game. Andy Reid coached circles around him. And we didn't put enough pregame emphasis on the fact that the Kansas City Chiefs were going to be able to outcoach the Eagles. That we all looked at the rosters and, uh, well, Kansas City's top I heavy at the top Andy with Holmes and Kelsey. And then the next six or seven would be Eagles. And yeah, But the coaching staff had a lot to do with the outcome of that game. And the Chiefs uh, coached rings I'm, around, I'm, I'm the circles biggest, around the I'm the Eagles. biggest Andy Reid guy on the planet. I have never underestimated Andy Reid. I said leading up to the game 100 times, 28-3, 28-3, 3 The one thing I know about Kansas City is they're going to be prepared. I said it probably 100 times. I Nobody gives more respect for Andy Reid than me. First ballot Hall of Fame coach, I think the people in Philadelphia – who don't like Andy Reid are, are ridiculous, are absurd. They I'll give you understand. one, McMullen. He's go better ahead. than Bill Belichick. He's a better coach than Bill Belichick. Because I'm not going to go that far, but you know, I, it's one two. It. It's one two. I will say that in this generation, and they're both first ballot Hall of Fame coaches, and they're both you know way ahead of everybody else. So for those thinking, I'm saying the Eagles are the better team because I think Jonathan Gann is going to understand. No. They're always going to get out coached by Andy Reid. Always, always, always. That's baked into it. I think they're the better team because they were far deeper. The the Chiefs were very top heavy. Their top players performed. Uh, they they handled Chris Jones well enough, but I think the Eagles were the better football right, team. Then, and Jeff, we appreciate I, you both logging yeah. in and coming. Up. I just yeah, got one sorry. more question for Jeff. Well, no, I, 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 I got one more question for Jeff. How did the Chiefs win? 
If the Eagles were the better team, the deeper team, the better roster, you put them both, and then you play the game, and one team wins, how did the, how did the Chiefs possibly win the game if the Eagles were better? The, the, the Eagles players on the defensive side of the football couldn't make a play. The only difference between well, then maybe that, you overrated the Eagle players coming in if they couldn't make a play. Uh, I overrated the Eagles players coming if in. If you're telling or, me the Eagles were a significantly better team because they were deeper before the game was played, then yeah, maybe you overrated the Eagle players. So because so I I watched the number two defense. I watched the seventy sacks. I watched all the turnovers. And I said it from from day one, the only difference between Super Bowl 52, where Jim Schwartz's defense shat the bed, was they made one play. They made one stinking play, and they won the football game. If Hassan Reddick breaks through instead of slipping on the field all day like he's on an ice rink, if Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham, Fletcher Cox, Javon Hargrave, James Bradbury, Darius Splay, T.J. Edwards, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, all these pro bowl, all pros, pro, uh, pro bowl alternates. If any stick in one of them, as everybody sits and blames Jonathan Gannon, if any stick in one of them made one play, they win that game. They couldn't do it. On most days, up. they're going to make a play. I'm going to back you up here. So I was just on a Kansas City radio station right before I hopped on with you guys. I was asked, because this has been the talk in Kansas City, did the better team lose the football game? And I said, yeah, I thought they were the better team. And I said at halftime, when the Eagles were up 10, I said, that's not enough. They should be up more. They gave them seven. And then they gave them another seven on the 65-yard punt return. That was the mistake. And like you said, no one on that defense may have played. And Son Reich just decided, I'm going to go full speed on everything instead of doing what Frank Clark admitted he did, Chris Jones admitted he did. Yeah, we're not just going to go as fast because we know the turf sucks. Yeah, if if the Eagles had picked off a Patrick Mahomes pass and taken it in for a touchdown, would anybody in this town be saying, "Yeah, but the Chiefs kind of gave them seven points"? No, of course we go. We took the seven points. So because Jason Larry Hurts dropped the football, and they picked it up, ran it into the end zone. Oh, it's a gift. It doesn't really count. It doesn't. Well, really, I, I, you're not hearing it's a gift them. from me. You will hear it was an unforced error. Like, it wasn't a helmet hitting the football. It wasn't somebody stripping the football. It wasn't Charles Tillman with a peanut punch. It was an unforced error. Now, if you're talking about a typical pick six, like Jalen threw against Jacksonville, yeah, I'm not. Either way, it doesn't matter. But it's fair to point out it was an unforced error. It was very uncharacteristic of Jalen Hurts. That's fair to point out. Typically doesn't do that. Look, Kansas City deserves all the credit in the world. I, I, that's where I think the, <laughs> the, 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 the debate is. I don't. I don't know why Jody they deserve McDonald, all the credit in the world, except that they weren't the better team. I don't know. Seriously, I don't know why you can't understand my point and act like because somebody wins a football game on one day that they are automatically the better team. Honestly, Jody, that is silly. That is silly. I'll try try and explain it to Jeff and see if uh, I'm as misguided as you think I am. How big an advantage for the Super Bowl did the Philadelphia Eagles come in with? I thought they had the advantage over Kansas City's offensive line, and I thought Kansas City's offensive line was the best offensive line the Eagles faced all season. I still thought it was an advantage because of Asan Red, because of Josh Sweat. 
Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox, Brandon Graham, uh, Milton Williams, you, you name it. I thought it was an advantage. And I thought, just like I thought with last year's Super Bowl, I thought the Rams defensive line was going to make that play at the end of the game that was going to stop Joe Burrow. And they did. And I thought the Eagles were going to do the same with Patrick Mahomes. And everybody wants to play in the field, fine, but they just didn't make that play. It's not right. They make that sack. There wasn't, there wasn't that game-changing play, like McMullen said, about the Eagles' defense. I thought that was the clear-cut advantage in that football game. And Kansas City, you know, zero sacks, put it on a blank T-shirt. They deserved. They put to, it on a T-shirt. They, they did deserve it. They, they, they did. They, they deserved it. They shut that pass rush down. And I don't want to hear about the field conditions because it was the same thing for them. And I give Hassan Reg a lot of credit. I give – all those guys on the Eagles that talked about it, they said, look, we're not going to use that as an excuse. We'll talk about it, but we still needed to get the job done. They did it. I actually thought the Eagles handled that loss with more class than probably any team they faced in that postseason. Oh, I give the Eagles a ton of credit for the way they handled the loss afterwards. But uh, my point remains, the two teams were so evenly matched before it came in. A point and a half. It opened up with Kansas City as the favorite. And move to the Eagles a point and a half and stay there. And a point and a half is next to nothing. And you know I follow the betting week in and week out. That's next to nothing. That, yes, the outcome of one game is enough to move it. Uh, John, I acknowledge your point of upsets happen. I get that. To, the, to me, this wasn't that great an upset. And that the outcome of the game could decide who's actually the better team. We all thought the Eagles were going to get a bunch of sacks. They didn't. Are we going to give Kansas City the credit for not allowing them to get sacks? Well, we're just going to say, oh, the Eagles didn't make a play. I said all week on this show, Jody, Kansas City had a great offensive line. People weren't giving them credit for their offensive line. You have to remember that because I said it 15 times because people are like, oh, no. I said this offensive line with the exception of Andrew Wiley, it's pretty damn good. It, it's in the conversation for being the second off, second best offensive line in football. And Andrew Wiley was helped out a little bit by the field conditions. But again, the, the Kansas City did a better job with that, uh, dealing with the field conditions. Um, I, I think everybody wants to default to the loss on Jonathan Gannon. I default to the loss on the players, the lack of execution, the fact that they weren't able to handle the conditions, and they have so many star players. If we run down the list right now, we could do it, and Jeff can do it, and you can do it. I guarantee you say, well, Philadelphia's better there. Philadelphia's better there. Uh, Kansas City's got the better quarterback. Let's do it. Who's got the better running game? Not who was better on one day. Who would you rather have for 17 games, Miles Sanders or Isaiah Pacheco? The Eagles running backs, would you rather have the Eagles offensive line, Eagles receivers? Uh, Kelsey's great. Goddard's great, but obviously Kansas City gets the advantage. Eagles defensive line, Eagles linebackers, Eagles secondary. Special teams, I give it to Kansas City. Coaching, I give it to Kansas City. Eagles are a better football team right. from top to bottom. It doesn't change because of the Super Bowl. I want to add on Jeff, to this, too. Ahead, Jeff. Ahead, this Jeff. wasn't talked about enough. I, I'm sure you guys talked about it. Did anybody realize the Eagles allowed 6.1 yards per carry in that game? Oh, sure. They don't give a crap about the best. Uh, yeah, well, I'm that top 10 run defense <laughs> they had with the Dominick and Linval Joseph showing up. They, they were non-existent. I see Pacheco ran all over them. And then the Patrick Mahomes run. I still can't believe they let him go on that bum ankle. Yeah. That's but yeah. I mean, here's, they didn't play well. They didn't play where, well. Here's where you and I aren't going to be able to agree on, John. Uh, you're right. You went through the list and you checked off all the ones. 
if this were an investment account. Uh, the the advantage that the Eagles have at uh, safety would be about 8% of your por por portfolio. Coach is about 30%. Quarterback is about 35%. So the Eagles, if you're just going down column by column and check them, oh, but we're better at this better. We're better. Yeah, but the bigger portion of your uh, portfolio is invested in quarterback and coaching. They well, count they, for uh, that they, much they, more. They, 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 you well, can't the, equate coaching to who's got the better safeties. Well, the ironic thing about that, Jody, you're right. Obviously, I, I wouldn't put, I think, personnel is more important than coaching. But I wouldn't go that far. Where I would go is obviously quarterback. The ironic part is we're both on the same page. Look, Kansas City has the best quarterback in the world. But on one given Sunday, Jalen Hurts was better player on the field. You said it. I said it. I think we both agree with it. Eagles still <laughs> lost the game. And the biggest part of that investment portfolio actually played better. Now, he turned the football over once, and that was a, a huge mistake. But he had one of the best Super Bowls of all time. Doesn't mean he's better than Patrick Mahomes. That, that's my larger scale argument. Jalen Hurts was better on one particular day. Doesn't mean he's better. Chiefs were better on one particular day. Doesn't necessarily mean they're a better football team. If they they won. They deserve the credit. I don't see I, – I really don't see where where you don't understand my argument. If you would have told I me Jalen Hurts had that game. If you guys would have told me Jalen Hurts had the game he had on Saturday, I would have said the Eagles won that game by 10 points. Oh, if you would have told me, Jeff – Eagles held Patrick Mahomes to 182. I said, well, once the parade. So I, 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 that's what I would have said. That, you know, what day is the parade? Well, it, football's tough, man. Uh, the, it, you know, nobody knew coming in about the crappy field. The Chiefs did a better job. You know, they were mic'd up. Travis Kelsey's telling Kadarius Tony, who's a bit of a knucklehead, you know, stay, stay under control you know, realize where you are. I give their leaders a lot of credit. You know, interestingly, another to Jody's point about Andy Reid, and again, I'm not, Andy Reid is a first ballot Hall of Fame coach, but everybody's like, well, Andy Reid's out scheming Jonathan Gannett. Andy Reid's doing this. Andy Reid's doing that. They didn't run the right stinking play. They weren't in the right formation on the Sky Moore touchdown. Patrick Mahomes was able to recover and get it done because the Eagles blew the coverage again, personnel. But you know, what that, that scheming that's they didn't run the right play. Hey, McMullen, see what happens when you blitz more than you normally do. Yeah, well, that that's where I criticize Jonathan Gannon. He went, everybody's talking about adjustments, two things about adjustments, and I'll ask both you guys. And sorry, Jeff, we got to get Jeff involved. Um, two things about adjustments. One, when you're dominating the first half, everybody's like halftime adjustments, halftime adjustments, and halftime adjustments. Jim Swartz told me this. They don't exist. You adjust from, you know, series one. But even if you want to say halftime adjustments, halftime, what are they adjusting to? They dominated the first half. What? Do you, what do you, let's adjust from domination. And then they fell apart in the second half. But getting by that, when when you talk about the the – the lack of adjustments, I think people don't realize they played more coverage than they did all season. 
all season and they blitz. What was it? You're the stat guy, Jeff. It was top three or top four. They were very uncharacteristic. That's where I blame Jonathan Gannon. It was the most they blitzed in any game all season. And I'm oh, thinking, I thought it was top three. I didn't um, know it was number one. Yeah, I, I, when I looked up stuff and I was rewatching the game, I was just like, what is he doing? Why is he doing this? <laughs> this is completely different than what he does. He was another typical young coach that outsmarted himself. Yeah. I, I can't take that. It's, you know, and then he doesn't give you a fair answer, even in his Cardinals press conference. And he was asked, I'm like, I'm sorry, John, you got to give us something better than that. And why, I, like, if I was in that room and if, if I would ask him that, why did you blitz me? Just out of curiosity. And I think he would have given me a BS answer, but why Why would you do it? Like, that wasn't your bread and butter all season long. Well, yeah. I'll give you the answer if you want it. I'll play Jonathan Gannon for you. Did you see how many times uh, Hassan Reddick and Josh Sweat went to the ground? Uh, our guys who were supposed to get home couldn't get home because the field sucked. So I had to figure out another way how to get a sack. So I tried. It failed, but I tried but I couldn't get my usual pass rush because my guys were incapable of it because of the field. I guarantee you that's what Gannon would say. I think he came in with that game plan though. I think, I think he came in with that. Then then, then he's an idiot. Well, how, do you, how do you come in with a game plan of blitzing the quarterback who is the best in the national football league at handling the blitz? That's why the, would that, you possibly do that? If you're Jonathan, get please Johnny Mac, you can explain that one to me. Why well, would that be his pregame game plan? Uh, and that's the fair criticism. And that's why I said people, people who criticize, you can criticize, but, you know, criticize the right thing. The lack of adjustments when the guy played completely different, right. that, that that's criticism dumb. is ludicrous to me. Yeah. Now, if you want to criticize him for exactly what you said, well, then you're an idiot. I agree with you. And I like JG. Uh, it, it, that was dumb. Um, you know, what do you want to say? It's the extra week, the pressure paralysis by overanalysis, whatever you want to call it. They were uncharacteristic. They played a different way than they played all season. I scoff at fans who say you got to play a different way. You got to play a different way. I do. I freely admit it. I think it's silly. I think it's a dumb criticism because you practice something all year. You don't just change it. Well, they changed it. It was. That's a good word, Jody. That was an idiot move. An it wasn't. It was an idiot move. I agree with Jody 100 percent on that. It's. I don't. I think he got baited into thinking Patrick Mahomes's high ankle sprain was a lot more serious than well, just like how people got baited into thinking Jalen Hurts' shoulder wasn't as bad as they were making out to be, and they're looking at the stats saying, "Ah, it was deep passes, this and that." Like, no, it's better than what people think. Just like Patrick Mahomes, and I'll tell you what, that halftime, Mahomes was asked about it. Yo, did you get a shot or anything? He said, no. He said, I had 18 more minutes to get treatment. And I think that's what helped him get through that second half. I think he was in pain during that game, but it wasn't as significant as they were making it out to be, though it did take away a lot of Patrick Mahomes' mobility outside the pocket. But again, he went six for six in the AFC Championship game. So I just tip my cap to Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy and Matt Nagy and all those guys saying, you know what? These guys are just good, bottom line. Well, they are good. They are good. But that's one of my things with the Eagles moving forward. The Eagles were really good. And to assume that they're going to be that good um, moving forward, I think is a little bit of a reach. Um, 
and the expectations are still going to be there, Jeff. And, um, you know, remember, number two defense isn't good enough. 70 sacks isn't good enough because you fell apart in the Super Bowl. We got Brian Dawkins saying, I wouldn't pl- want to play in this defense. Of uh, course he wouldn't because he wouldn't be allowed to blitz. Yeah. Uh, Seth, Seth Joyner, the Super Bowl. our own. When Jonathan own... Gannon was deciding ahead of time, he's going to play. Yeah, yeah he would love to play in the Super Bowl. Yeah. But by the way, Brian, I love Brian Dawkins. He should not be talking about how to perform in a Super Bowl because if I recall, he didn't play great in Super Bowl 39. No. Well, and and our own Seth Joyner, who we love, wants, wants to be the, the defensive coordinator because the Eagles can't get it right, blah, blah, blah. You know, there's a lot of uh, – the expectations, remember, I talked about personnel. Like, nobody wants to blame the personnel. They say, the personnel is so good. Jonathan Gannon uh, did a terrible job. Well, the next defensive coordinator, whoever it's going to be, um, the personnel is that good. Now, we'll see with all the free agents. But there's some unrealistic expectations in this town. If Jody asked me this yesterday, so I'm going to get in trouble. What the hell? I always get in trouble. Um, you know, he brought up Brian Dawkins saying what he said, and I didn't hear the whole thing, the context, but I said, I wonder how many number two defenses Brian Dawkins played on in his career. And, played on, and he played on at least one. I know. No, that. no, he didn't, Jeff. Number that three, one defense, that number one de- three was wow. as high as they got. Wow. Number three, well, it's just the typical yardage, you know, which you can get into advanced stats. And he played on some very good defenses. Don't get me wrong. Never played on one that reached number two. What doesn't he like? The 70 sacks? Because none of his defense has ever got 70 sacks. All the turnovers? One of the safeties on this team led the league in interceptions and missed five games. What don't you like about this defense except crapping the bed in the second half of the Super Bowl, which is... Kind of like Jim Johnson's defenses in a lot of those NFC Championship games and Super Bowls. Yeah. But you're on the big stage. Does everybody miss that? You're in the Super Bowl. I mean, I I don't get it. I think I'm 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 going bananas at some point, Jeff. I don't know. It's I just hate. I tweeted this this morning. You really want former players who, with no professional coaching experience, to be your coach? That's how you end up with Jeff Saturday. That's how you end up with the Indianapolis Colts were by far the worst team in the NFL to end the season. They were an absolute embarrassment, an absolute joke. They're probably one of the worst teams I've ever seen in all my years of covering the NFL and in all my years of watching the NFL. That's times when you put a former player who's never had any coaching experience in that situation. It's the bottom line. So I love Seth Joyner. You want to be the Eagles defensive coordinator and give up 30 points a game every week? Go right ahead. I, I, I don't care. <laughs> I, I, you know, you know, that's fine. You know, if that's what the fans want, fine. Um, you know, I, I'd rather have a good defense. I just don't know who's going to replace Jonathan Gannon. Like, well, I, I would love, that, they, I would they, love they, to learn. That's where I'm going to, Jeff Carr. You got to tell me. We've now, we're down to five days. Five days until the combine starts. And I know there's no rule. It's not like the Eagles are going to get fined or pay a price if they don't have a DC in place before the combine. But anybody you talk to in the NFL, oh, you want to have your coaching staff in position. You're, why go to Indianapolis if you're not going to know what kind of defense you're going to play? They got to make this call in five days. Jeff Kerr, what's the call going to be? Who's replacing the irreplaceable Jonathan Gannon? Well, the guy I wanted probably isn't coming, and that's Jim Leonard, uh, because I guess he's getting hip surgery with Jeremy Fowler. 
reported, and he wasn't going to coach you, this year. What made you a Leonard fan? I, I always loved him at Wisconsin. I always thought he got the most out of players that weren't particularly good there. And you know, T.J. Edwards is a prime example of that. Um, you know, I. What do you mean? I, he was great. He was great at Wisconsin. But he was undrafted. T.J. takes more hits than a Jonathan yeah, Gannon. Yeah, you know, I, I'm I like T.J. Edwards, but just because. Just because you weren't drafted doesn't mean you check the check the numbers, check the stats. He was yeah, great. He, was he ran a slow 40 time at the combine and that got him undrafted, which was everybody's great in college. My my high school teammate was great in college. Yeah, but he was second in the butt kiss voting. He was he was a big time. He was an all-American. I'll give you player. that one. But and, I, I and, mean he's just getting the most out of players though that weren't exactly I, I forget what TJ Edwards was in college. Was he a three or a four star? I can't remember, but when you get a lot out of a player like that, that's where I was going with. You obviously know what you're talking about. So I, I thought T.J. Edwards – I mean, T.J. Uh, Jim Lerner did a heck of a job in Wisconsin. I think his style of defense would translate to the NFL. But if it's Vance Joseph, I'm not against it. It's just – I don't know if that's a sexy name for people. Really? I think that's more sexy than Jim name. Leonard. I, I, think <laughs> people, I think people are looking at what he did in Arizona. Because people but, know him. Like that, I was, and I'm sure you do, Jeff. Jeff, um, you always get uh, fans who say, like, they're all, it's all big names. Lobby Smith. I'm like, you want to play cover too? I, 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 you know, but they know the name Lobby Smith. Um, Vance Joseph, because he was a former head coach. Long. What about Sean? What about Sean Desai? Sean, Sean, I think bits. Yeah, I I, I do too. I wrote uh, yesterday. I think. It's to me. It's probably going to be Wilson, Denard, or or Sean Desai because I think they fit. I think they fit what they're doing. Um, and if you listen to Nick, unless Nick is lying, he likes the scheme in place. And if they want to continue the scheme in place, or you're not bringing in Vance Joseph because he's a blitz guy, he's a Wink Martindale guy, he's that type of defensive coordinator, which the fans would like. But you're completely changing your scheme unless it's the Super Bowl. Yeah, the, 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 this is my thing with Sean Desai. Look at Robert Quinn in 2021 and look at Robert Quinn in 2022. Well, I think Robert might be shot busy. Oh, well, yeah, but still, yeah. though, Robert Quinn, was, he had that. Oh, he, is he had a year I never Robert Quinn was a great game. pass rusher. I, yeah. He was a great pass rusher before he met Sean Desai. He was a great, great pass. I just think he's done physically. Or, yeah. or he needs surgery on his knee. Uh, major surgery. I, I, I think he needs surgery too. He, yeah. he, he just didn't. When I talked to him for the Super Bowl, just he just didn't sound like the same Robert Quinn. <laughs> right, but just remember this: when next Howie Roseman picks up someone at the trade deadline, and the explanation is, "Oh, he's getting double team on every single play. That's why he's got no. Why would you trade for a guy who's getting no sacks? I get it. He got twenty the year before, but he's got none this year. Oh, it's because he's double teamed on every single play." Well, he came in there to Philadelphia. Either he didn't play, or when he played, he didn't get double teamed, and he still didn't get any sacks. So sometimes just checking the stats does work, which is what I'm going to do for you, Jeff Kerr. This sounds like a Jeff Kerr project if I've ever heard one, because you're great at getting this stuff up. Former head coaches who go back to become coordinators, how good are they? Can you take that step backwards? and reachieve your status. Because chances are you were a good coordinator before you got the head coaching job. Then you get fired, and then now you got to go back to the grind and do it. That's what Vance Joseph is. He's a former head coach. I thought he got a little short shrift in Denver, but 
uh, then again, I didn't think he was a great coach, but one more year would it have changed anything? I don't know. But can a guy do that? Because if you're going back to what he did in Arizona the last couple of years, I wouldn't even know why they're talking to him because he didn't he didn't wow anybody with what he did in Arizona. I don't think he had a ton of talent, but it wasn't like he was you were just describing Jim Leonard as a guy who lifts talent up and makes them better. I don't think Vance Joseph did that in Arizona. If you want to look that up and uh, text me the results, I'd appreciate it, Jeff Carr. Well, Former coordinators example, but... who became head coaches who went back to being coordinators. Can they do that move? I'll give you an example right now. How about Steve Spagnuolo? That's a good one. That's he, right. I mean, he's How had long their was Spags a head coach? Spa, what, two, two years? years? Yeah, it was two years. I think it was 2009. Yeah, it wasn't good, by the way. His record was. Oh, uh, yeah. And then he goes Ooh. back to Giants, wins the Super Bowl, and he gets two more Super Bowls in Kansas. By the way, yeah, nothing. Spags, you know, great, uh, great guy. I mean, did anybody notice his defense was terrible in the Super Bowl as well? They, they weren't good. <laughs> by the by the way, though, I will say this: Steve Spagnuolo did coach Kansas City to their best defense in the four years he's been there. This yeah, year. you know, the interesting thing about Steve was I think he had two of the three worst defenses in NFL history at the time in New Orleans and w- with, uh, what was the other one? Giants, I guess. Um, two of the three worst in history. And he's also succeeded at the highest level. Um, which kind of lends to my personnel argument. I mean, doesn't matter how good a coach, if you don't have the players, He's got four Super Bowls now as a coordinator. It's yeah. kind of crazy. Well, that's what I mean. And he's got four Super Bowls, and he's piloted some of the worst defenses yeah. in NFL history. That's my point. Yeah, so, I, I think he even admitted they, Kansas City's defense didn't play well in the Super Bowl at all. He said they had no answer for Jalen. Yeah, and few do. Few have. Uh, the 2012 Saints, yeah, look them up. That's oh, they're terrible. Since you went to Hurts, Kerr. When is the deal getting done? I'd like it uh, again, to be before uh, Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow. Let's just put it that way. So how he knows when Justin Herbert and uh, Burrow are getting done, and he knows he's got to get it done the week before. If you're banking on doing it as per somebody else's clock, it makes it pretty difficult to set your own. Uh, can they get this thing done before the draft? Before How, how is this timeline going to play out? So it's funny. I I got my angle offseason interview with Justin Herbert, and I think it's two weeks we're setting it up for. And Herbert will give me some inklings about what's going on. But I kind of because I'm going to ask Herbert, I'm like, I know you want to be there, but do you want him signed now or do you want to wait for Jalen or Joe so you can get as much as you can? I want to ask him because I'm curious to hear his answer. But if I'm the Eagles, I'd say to Jalen, here's $50 million a year. Go for it because guess what? You're going to be a top five quarterback at top 10 market value in no time. Yeah. And it'll, if you go first, it'll end up being a deal. Uh, 2016 Giants, I just want to finish that. 32nd in the NFL, most passing yards in NFL history, second most points in NFL history. They were a playoff so, team, too. Yeah. Um, two of the three worst defenses of all time. Uh, but when you talk about Jalen Hurts, and 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 the domino effect, all the free agents the Eagles have. Um, who do you start with? Who who if I had to say two players, give me the two players, Jeff Kerr, that you have to bring back 
amongst all the free agents? Javon Hargrave. That'd be the first one. This is tough because I don't think he's he's not. I don't think he's coming back at all. But if I'm playing fantasy land here, give me James Bradbury over anybody. No CJ. Oh, I keep CJ. I just think that in reality, it's going to be CJ. Yeah. But if I'm playing fantasy football here, I would keep James Bradbury and Javon Hargrave because I think James Bradbury is going to last a little bit longer than Darius Slay is. Yeah, so do I. But uh, they're they're married to Slay and. I don't think they're moving off that, but uh, you, you would you would agree that despite what how you would rank the two players, the well, the Eagles prioritize corner over safety. Is that going to be enough for them to prioritize Bradbury over Johnson, or does the age come into age, it as well? Yeah. Age, yeah, yeah. Well, age. This is why I would keep CJ because I because CJ can play cor- corner and safety, which is what I really like. This is why I I don't think they're going to franchise tag CJ. By the way. I, I think they just don't franchise tag people. I, I I mean it's they have a bad history with it. Tag Trotter rescinded it. Tag Corey Simon rescinded it. Tag LJ Smith because McNabb liked him, which is stupid. Um, well, they might do it <laughs> as a strategy thing. Yeah. Whereas which you know, they could do. Yeah. yeah. It, it, that but, makes a lot of but sense. If he plays under the franchise, that's what I said. He's not playing under the franchise tag. The yeah. Eagles are not. That the Howie just doesn't believe in that. Um, but he might use it. If he can't work something out, if he's concerned, there's going to be a big offer. He might use it as um, uh, a strategy card. But if he comes back and plays under the franchise tag, I would be stunned. So stunned. I'll, I'll, I'll ask you both because you talk about strategy. The franchise tag does lend itself to a pretty big strategical move. Mostly players don't sign it immediately. Shoot, they they wait all the way through camp. They don't sign it till the day before. Uh, the kid from Cincinnati, Bates, it, it sat on him all year long, and then he signed it right before he came into camp, right before the season. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Started. You don't have to sign. Now, you can't participate. You can't play. But you don't have to sign. But if you don't sign and the team rescinds it, well, now you're going back out into the free agent market. But other teams have already made moves by then. So there's a strategy on the player side as well. If they tag Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, does he sign immediately? Does he wait? Does he play it all the way out to free agency? How does it go? I personally think he'll sign. Um, not right away, mm-hmm. but I think mm-hmm. he'll sign just because it's a significant pay raise over what he's gotten. And I think some players need to realize that. And Orlando Brown told me this too, because it's look as much as he didn't like it, it was much more than what he was getting. And he said, if I have a better year, I got and, more leverage the next year. And guaranteed. That's, yeah. that's the good side from the player. So you put your name on that paper, that entire year is guaranteed. And it's a guaranteed at a pretty good dollar. It's not long range, but it's a damn good dollar. To if I'm Lamar Jackson, I'd be like, tag me, baby. Just tag me. I'm getting a significant pay raise. Yeah. Yeah. Lamar's, uh, Lamar's throwing a, a monkey wrench in some of these quarterback negotiations. That's why you got to sign Jalen because, because then Lamar, it, it really screws up Baltimore. Baltimore should have got this done months ago. Yeah, but what's the the top quarterback number is 45 for the non-exclusive? I think it's 50. By Uh, the way, I really hope the Giants pay Daniel Jones a lot of money because – I think everybody does from an Eagles standpoint. I I, I think everybody around the league does. I was – when I was in Kansas City, I was talking to those guys earlier – Today and we're laughing about it. We're like, I would pay Daniel Jones thirty million. That one, that that one, that one is done. Anybody who's speculating on it is wasting time. They're gonna put the non, uh, the the you can sign him franchise tag offer on the other team and dare someone to sign him and say yes, thank you. We'll take two first round picks. Yeah, and it's only it's tenor. only yeah. thirty two and change. I guarantee you that's what's happening in New York. That's why he's changed agents. Because he couldn't believe that they weren't really negotiating with him. That's exactly what they're going to do. They're going to slap the non-competitive or the competitive franchise tag on him, which means he can go sell himself on the open market. The Giants have the right to match. But if another team signs him, then they get two first-round well, picks. What team That's would exactly give up two first-round picks for Daniel Jones? Nobody. That's, That's what I mean. Point. He's going to play for 32 yeah. and change next year. It's not going to be 45. I, he I can ask even... for 45 all he wants. He's got no chance of getting it. I wouldn't trade Jody Mack and John McMullen for Daniel Jones. Let's just put it that way. Ooh. Yeah, All right, last a, thing, Jeff Kerr, what you bowl last night? Like that, Jeff. Come on. <laughs> last thing, what you bowl last night, Kerr? What did I have last night? I had 734 on Monday. So what did I have last night? Oh, 606. I struggled the first game, but I read that. 606? What what were you drinking? No, I wasn't drinking last night. It's uh, it happens. It, it, you know, I had a Jalen Hurts first yeah, had, had a Jalen Hurts Jacksonville. Had an eagle second half day. He had a, a back 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 half of the frames. Hey, I, day, I, I get I get redemption tonight, boys. Let's just put it that right. way. Now, now, where do you bowl? Is there somewhere upper? Uh, you use the same lane all the time, or do you take your game on the road? I take my game on the road on weekends. Um, my oh. home lane is back in my hometown. Do you got do you, do you got your own track 
as they call it in Kingpin. That's my bowling knowledge. <laughs> All comes from Kingpin. I, I do have my own line I play, yes, but a lot All of people right. tend to play it. I, you got to throw it hard and you got to throw it fast, boys. That's <laughs> that's how you succeed. JK, a pleasure. We appreciate you coming on. I know a couple guys on the stream mentioned, where's Jeff Kerr? We had to say, he's on hiatus. He'll be back. Don't worry about it. He'll be back. But uh, thanks for jumping in with us this morning. Good catching up, buddy. And again, my apologies. That's on me. I was debating with Johnny Mac just as we punched Oh, no. Guys, I was thoroughly entertained just sitting here. <laughs> I, I, I'm that guy that eats the popcorn. I'm Michael Jackson. Yeah, people like right. when Jody and I argue. Yeah. Oh, I oh I thoroughly enjoyed it. I'm like, hey, you know what? You guys can argue the whole 30 minutes. I don't care. That's, <laughs> as Tio would say, get your popcorn. Uh, Jeff Kurt, thank you very much for jumping in this morning. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks for having me on, guys. That's Thanks, Jeff Kurt, CBSSports.com and the host of Good Morning and FC East here on the Jacob Media YouTube channel. Appreciate your being on the Jacob Media YouTube channel with us. Mac and Mac here on Birds 365. I will come back. I got one thing I want to hit Johnny back with, not who was the better team in the Super Bowl. We beat that to death. Um, but uh, coming up in less than 15 minutes now, uh, Ben Solak from The Ringer and the Philly Special Podcast. We got Ben coming up in less than 15. Stay with us. Post game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. of life. First Trust Bank is there for you. Because Philadelphia dreams deserve a Philadelphia bank.
Hi, I'm Jim Muehlbronner, Managing Partner at DelVal Insurance Group. Give us a call. We're a local, knowledgeable agency, not an 800 number. Go Birds! We got John McMullen and John McMullen here with you on Birds 365. Ben Solak, uh, NFL writer for The Ringer and podcast host with Yo Kapadia on the Philly special. Going to jump in with us in uh, just about 10 minutes from now. Looking forward to talking to Ben. Uh, John, I got a technical salary cap question for you that I hope you know the answer to. I probably should, uh, but I don't, so I'm going to lean on you. Um, if the Eagles were to franchise tag Chauncey Gardner Johnson. Um, the number is like 14. It's 14 and change for uh, safeties. They have a positional breakdown. Every single position is different. Quarterback is the highest, running back is the lowest, which is kind of weird. It tells you how drastically the NFL has changed over the last 25, 30 years. Used to be your quarterback was almost as important as your running back, or your running back was almost as important as your quarterback. Now it's uh, the top and the bottom. Uh, safety is one of the lower positions, so it's not an outrageous number if you put the tag on them, but it's not chump change either. It's like $14 million, and we've explained before how the disadvantage is all that money is in the one year. There's no moving it out. There's no dummy years on the back end that you can spread out, which, oh, by the way, the Eagles paying a lot of money in dead cap hits this year because uh, how he has used those years previously and the, uh, the, the, the bill has come due um, with a franchise tag. If you offer it to a player, does the hold on your cap become immediate? Or do you have to wait until the player signs? Does it not become a cap hold until he signs? Or are you locked in with that? And then if you rescind the offer, then all of that gets freed up. Yeah. I, uh, counts right away. Bang. Uh, as soon yeah, as you yeah. offer it, that yeah. money is off your cap and yeah. held, even if the Which player doesn't why, sign it. Which is why the Eagles don't use it, don't like to use it. Um and as Jeff pointed out, 2012, I believe, was uh, the last time um, Sean Jackson, he mentioned some others, uh, LJ Smith. <laughs> they rescinded a couple times. Yeah, they don't like to use it. Um, they haven't used it at all in recent years, sort of as how he has found his groove as a GM. Um like I said, they don't want to use it. The, the only reason they would use it is they don't feel a deal is coming with CJ, I would think. And they're concerned that somebody else is going to offer him big money and he's going to leave. Um, but other than that, um, I don't, I don't see them using it because remember how is it the forefront of the voidable year trick that everybody's trying to copy around the league now um, and you want to space it out. The last thing it's it the number is 14.46, I believe. 1446, 14.46. They don't want 14.46 on their cap. 
this year for C.J. Gardner-Johnson. They want to be able to spread out. They're, he's going to get a lot of money, but they want to be able to spread it out, have some voidable years at the end, and, and um, lower the cap number. The, the average annual value is kind of meaningless, you know. The cap number for each specific year is the more important part as far as building a roster. And he's good at it. And he doesn't want to put $14.46 million on a safety on one year. But he does want to keep Chauncey Gardner-Johnson. And if he wants to, he's going to have to pay. He's not we, – we've tossed this phrase around. I probably over-tossed it around the hometown discount – uh, the actual signing below what is perceived to be the actual value out there amongst the league. That's one of the beauties of free agency. And uh, I've argued with callers about this over the years who don't like free agency or their team doesn't get into free agency enough. So they got a built in dislike for it. The absolute beauty of it is there's no debate anymore that anytime there's a negotiation between a player and a team, there's a debate. The team thinks you're worth one thing. You think you're worth another. How do you solve it? Well, if you're looking at an extension and your number doesn't match their number, you got a problem. When you're a free agent, the market sets the number. You can go out and you can sell yourself to 29 other teams and your number becomes your number. Then you have to, if you're a player, you got to realize, okay, this is my number. Maybe I thought it was going to be higher. Maybe I thought it should have been higher. But the, the, the league has spoken, this is what I'm worth. And if the team is less than that, you say, all right, see you later, bye. If you want to take less than that, yes, you've officially entered into a hometown discount. BG, the only guy on this team who's going to give them a hometown discount? I would think, you know, maybe Pletcher, depending on what he gets elsewhere, uh, if there's any offers. Uh, but it's always veteran players who have made their money. Uh, and are comfortable in their situations. You know, look at CJ. He didn't give the Saints a home. That's the reason he's here. Right. They knew they didn't want to pay him. They, they're the ones that drafted him. They're the ones who gave him the opportunity. They saw the landscape and said, you know, uh, all right, let's get something for him. Because, but you know, you're not giving them a hometown discount. He's not giving the Eagles a hometown discount. By the way, uh, Spotrek, uh, his valuation is five years, uh, 66.7 million. So average annual salary of 13.3 million. That's what they, not always perfect, but they're pretty good with that. And, stuff. and Oh, by the way, just note that that's below what the uh, franchise tag would be. Yeah. Yeah. So if you're a player and you, you're going to put some emphasis on that and go, yeah, I'm about an average annual value, 13 and change million dollar player. Oh, I can play for guaranteed 14 this year? Yes, please hand me that paper so I can sign off on it. I get it. Everybody wants to, and that 60, what do you, 66 for five? 66.7, 66.7. To be specific, 66,658,780. Understood. Now, the key element for the player is on something like that, how much it has guaranteed. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 but, you know, when you have five year deals like that, you can, you can backload it. So you give him the, you know, he's getting more than 14 million guaranteed. It'll be, you know, whatever, 20, 21, 22. But they, you can, you can backload the contract. So the big cap hits are in the fourth and fifth years. And by that time, if he plays well, you just redo the deal. Right. 
and extend it and keep doing it and keep doing it. And that's what Howie and Jake Rosenberg have done right. tremendously. But, but agents are smart enough to say, we don't want any part of that unless the percentage of guaranteed money is big. You're not going to take oh, backloaded years yeah. unless you're getting a big chunk up front. That signing bonus better be pretty damn big if you're going to get me to take back back end years that I know we're never going to see the light of day. Yeah, and either we're going to negotiate and, a new deal, or you're going to cut my guy's rear end before. And we he's going to get he's going to get a lot of guaranteed money. That's the point. But it's much more palatable from a salary cap standpoint for the Eagles because they could backload it. That's all I'm saying. All right, you threw out a name that does scare me a little bit during this off season. And you know, I'm a Howie fan. You're a Howie fan. Not everybody is. Uh, you and I both rank them. Well, they are now. High. They are now. Those have migrated over to our side to see that Howie's one of the best executives in the National Football League. He's got a blind spot. His blind spot is well, he's got two actually. One, one won't be as big a problem, or at least I hope not. Uh, Derek Barnett, but I don't know if that's as much a Howie thing as it is a coaching thing. The coaches really liked Barnett. They they were probably involved in uh, getting him signed to a contract extension, which you know full well. Yours truly was against. I sorry, the guy never lived up to expect. You talk about one play, that one play in the Super Bowl, he fell on the football. That's it. That's the extent of Derek Barnett's contribution as a first round draft pick over five years at Eagles. He fell on the football door in the Super Bowl. So I can't take that away, but he was a massive disappointment. Now, I'm not even talking about him. Fletcher Cox. He's one of Howie's favorite players. This past offseason, they redid his contract. They paid it off. So they took the cap hit all last year and then went and gave him a big number again, even though his stats were down last uh, two years ago to last year. His stats are down again last year to this year. How he seems to want to take care of Fletcher Cox. Should there be a concern that as a free agent this year, they once again, because if you go through all the Eagles contracts and I did this on uh, WIP one night and you just put pluses and minuses next to, did they earn their contract against their production? The Eagles are plus, 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 plus. You don't know roster. All of the guys played above and beyond what should have been normal expectations. Fletcher Cox for me was a minus. Should Eagle fans be worried that Howie will once again, because he's as big a Fletcher Cox fan as he is, that they'll uh, re-up him and give him too much money? Uh, he's not getting $14 million. Um, kind of depends on... on oh, you, you, know, got the P, you still got the PFF numbers up? Um, no, but I can check Fletcher. Um, I'd love to hear what they, they say his market value is going into free agency this year. Um, it, while I'm looking it up, I'll just say, remember, people used to say the same thing about Jason Peters, and it was true right up until it wasn't. Um, uh, it, it, everybody's got sort of the point, the demarcation line, and I think we're at that with Fletcher. Um, and, and, you know, if his market value is is, is elsewhere, ooh, it's big. Two years, 28. So 14 million. Two years, 28. You think he's uh, worth that? I do not. I don't um, either. I don't even think he's worth close to that. Yeah. So if that's the number, yeah, I don't think he's going to be back. I mean, if that's the number, that and that's just their value. That's right. Um, I didn't. 
If that's the number, no, I don't think he's going to be back. Um, you you gave me two. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, five for 66, or Fletcher, two for 28. That's not even a conversation. <laughs> one, I'm, one I'm signing immediately if I'm the Eagles, and the other one I'm going, yeah, no, good luck. Uh, we'll see you down the road. Because remember, the Eagles have good young players. Well, they have to prove themselves, but they have young players they're high on in, in Jordan Davis and, and Milton Williams. So that factors into it as well. He's John McBone. I'm Jody McDonald. Appreciate you streaming on in on uh, Birds 365. We've got Ben Solak. He's waiting in the on-deck circle. He's ready to join us next here on Birds 365. The greatest fans on earth. It's a bold statement, but would you expect anything less from Philadelphia? 58 years of heartache creates a toughness, a grit, a resolve not found in most. Sure, our prayers were answered, but now that we've had a taste, we're looking for more. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. that taxes are just part of life. It's true during our working years, but also in retirement. But what you might not know is up to 85% of your Social Security benefits might be taxed. Our team at Thrive Financial has helped retire thousands of people across the Delaware Valley by asking questions they never knew they needed to ask, including how their Social Security benefits might be taxed. It's time to be proactive on taxes. Get your Thrive Retirement Tax Playbook today. Jeff D'Ambrosio doesn't need a special event to appreciate his customers. Jeff shows his appreciation to them every day of the year. Jeff makes sure to stock more new inventory than anyone and guarantees prices and payments that nobody can beat. There are so many reasons that thousands of customers know Jeff is the easy, friendly place to do business. More for their trades. No judgment zone for credit issues. The best, most reliable service department in the country. That's why I like Jeff, and I know you will too. Jeff will satisfy you every day. Jeff D'Ambrosio, Destination Downingtown, Owner Appreciation Event. Post-game show with Seth Joyner. I knew that they had a running game. Derek Gunn. He has put in the effort. Devin Caney. Had we not won the Super Bowl, what would we be saying? And Mike Missanelli. Well, you know how Philly is. Post-game, now streaming on the 6ABC family of apps. Why do millions of people every year from around the world visit Philly's Rocky statue? You want to tell me the sky is burgundy with green stripes and yellow polka dots? I'll meet you on that. But you're never going to convince me Rocky is anything other than the pure greatness that it is. Never going to happen. Join me, Paul Farber, for WHYY's The Statue. We're going on a journey to explore the biography of the Rocky statue. Find us wherever you get your podcasts. Back, guys, 
right, it's here on Birds 365. Thanks for streaming in. We thank our next guest for doing just that as well. Uh, you read all his writings at The Ringer, and you should catch his podcast with Jill Capadia, the Philly special, loyal to his Philly roots. Benjamin Solak jumps on with us here on Birds 365. Right, here's where I want to start with you, Ben. Mm-hmm. Which surprised you more this year? Two play, Two individuals who grew exponentially this season as compared to where they were at in their careers uh, 13 months ago after the season seasonal ending loss to Tampa Bay. The rise of Nick Sirianni in the ranks of head coaches in the National Football League or the rise of Jalen Hurts in the quarterback ranks in the National Football League? Which surprised you more? I think Hurts was more surprising. Uh, you know, we like to say when we talk about player development that the development's not linear. You, a reminder that usually guys don't just get progressively better year over year. The exception that proves the rule is Jalen hurts. <laughs> I remember saying at times yeah. last off season, yeah. like, yeah, he's gotten better in s- the last six off seasons, but you can't do that in a seventh off season. Nobody does this. Nobody just keeps getting better and getting better and getting better. And, and the, a, the precision with, with which he improves on the stuff he's bad at is really impressive. Uh, the way that he doesn't have many drop-offs in the stuff that he's already improved on, right? He rarely regresses. He rarely steps back. Like, it's just one of one. You just don't see guys, like, even among the dudes who have, like, the legendary work ethic. He's among the guys who love the game and were always slight and were always doubted. Like, you don't see this. You don't see guys get this much better year over year through the college ranks and into the NFL ranks. Sirianni, like we're not good at figuring out who good head coaches are. Like we, like the league isn't, we aren't like, nobody's good at this. When a guy is just like super uh, suddenly like has a, has a great season. It's only so surprising because in general, we're just really bad at figuring out who the good head coaches are. <laughs> we're, we're, we're kind of good yeah. at figuring out who the good quarterbacks are. And Hertz continues to prove us. Those of us who, those who doubted him, which was me, uh, continues to prove us wrong. You know, I, I've been talking about that, Ben. It's interesting that you bring that up. You know, mm-hmm. coaching is probably, like, I know you've done a lot of quarterback evaluation over the years. Coaching is probably the last bastion of the NFL where we don't have, like, a lot of information on these guys. We, so mm-hmm. it, it's really hard to judge. It, it's hard enough to judge quarterbacks or any other position. But with coaches, you know, I've, I've been doing this for a long time, and people ask me, well, is that a good decision? Is that a good just I'm pretty honest. I have no stinking idea. Because I right. have, I, there's no, there's no tangible information to really gather other than, you know, numbers. And and we use Philadelphia as an example because so much of the fan base can't stand Jonathan Gannon, but number two defense, seventy sacks, all the turnovers, blah blah blah, and that's not good enough. Is it personnel? Is it coaching? Who's responsible? It is. An, it's an interesting conundrum. And now that the Eagles are looking for a defensive coordinator, you see some college names and, you know, what are they doing? My answer is I can't tell you. <laughs> yeah. If I'm if I'm reading between the lines, I'm guessing they want to become more aggressive and they want to have better plans against elite quarterbacks. Right. Uh, Gannon was a, a lineup and play defensive coordinator he wasn't his first year when they were kind of running all the old Colt stuff all the Matt Eberflus stuff and then he wasn't his second year when Vic Fangio came in and they started running more Fangio stuff like schematically they changed from year one to year two a lot you go back and watch that year one film there's no you know odd fronts with a nose tackle they know Jordan Davis no Limbaugh Joseph they only had four down fronts that's all they had they were only running cover two they know this quarter stuff like all like they they schematically changed a lot like Gannon has now like for two years of Philadelphia 
brought in a, a, a new defense, brought in like new ideas, installed them very quickly and got the team to execute them. That's good coaching. Like he's a good teacher. I no make no bones about it. I'm positive he is, but he's a lineup and play guy and put, put him out on the field. And then let's have our 11 be better than your 11. And that sounds great until one of their 11 is Patrick Mahomes. And then you start saying, okay, we can't do this anymore. We need to create something. You need to generate something. There needs to be chaos. There needs to be an attack. There needs to be confusion. There needs to be movement, something to stress this guy out. And when you look at Vance Joseph, who's, who's known as a blitzer in the NFL level, Jim Leonard, who's known as, as a blitzer and a picture changer at the college level, I think they understand that, that they have the personnel such that they're always going to be able to beat the bad quarterbacks. They're always going to be able to stop the bad offenses. It's beating the good offenses and the great quarterbacks where you need to do things schematically you put pressure on them and that's what they're looking for in a new dc that's why they blitzed more in the super bowl than they had all year long mm-hmm. and it, uh, i said earlier that would be idiotic because Mahomes is the best at handling the blitz in the nfl but if you get to a point where you think the only answer is chaos we got to do something that no one is expecting well they did and it didn't work uh but uh, i digress um Interesting point you made about the change from year one of year two to the Gannon uh, of the Gannon era here in town. It was in part predicated by the Jordan Davis draft, or was it? Had they already made the decision that we want to go more Fangio-like than we did in year number one, and we want to have the guy just on the nose and have everything build out from that, or was it they got Davis, they liked Davis as much as they did, said, well, this is going to necessitate us changing the defense which came first, chicken or the egg? I'm guessing the, the decision to change some stuff up schematically came first just because Davis isn't the sort of player who like, oh, well, you want to play him as a nose tackle, but you could play him as like a, a, a pass rushing defense tackle if you wanted to. No, he's just this, right? If, if they, if Roseman took Davis without knowing that the defense was going to need a player like Davis, that's very aggressive and then kind of unnecessary, right? That I, I'd be surprised if they didn't already start to lean that direction and saying, all right, we need a guy who can play the true nose. And you could also make an argument that Gannon wanted to play that sort of a defensive line, that sort of a defensive front yeah, in year one and did. just didn't have the guy, right? Like Doesn't occasionally they put Hargrave the there. No, right. But yeah, even when Hargrave plays the nose, he's not playing it to like take away two bodies, take away two gaps, yeah. make the numbers in the running game. Hargrave's playing it to penetrate. Hargrave's playing it to cause problems. So this is like a different philosophy. Um, So I'm going to guess schematically they, they had that approach. And like, Hassan Reddick fits into that approach because he's an outside linebacker. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson fits into that approach because he's a, a safe dude who can rotate down and play over the slot. Like, all of that is indicative of the fact that they knew they were going to make the change. That's why, you know, the other thing you see about Vance Joseph and about Jim Leonard is that they have backgrounds of running 3-4 defense, right? They're going to stay in a structure where they're going to be capable of putting, you know, three down front and a five down front are functionally the same thing. They're going to be able to put an odd number front on the field on early downs, stop the runs. That way they can get into third and long, put the four down front of the field, rush the passer. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause I've actually talked to JG about that band and, you mm-hmm. know, he wanted to play this defense, the Fangio defense from the day he got here. You know, it's interesting because when they hired Gannon, I thought, well, we're going to see a bunch of Zimmer stuff and, and yeah, we too. didn't see a bunch of Zimmer stuff. And then I saw, well, we're going to see a bunch of Everflu stuff. And he didn't want to play that either. And in some ways, I give him credit. He and Brandon Staley are very close. And that's sort of, you know, more than anything else where it comes from. They both believe in playing that same scheme. And that's why Jordan Davis and Hassan Reddick. Remember, last year it was Javon Hargrave, great player, but he can't play nose. Mm-hmm. Um, and Jannard Avery, 
playing in the in the Hassan Reddick role. So that's not going to work out. So we had to do some different things. And then Howie Roseman was able to get the personnel. So that brings me to my next question, Ben. You got these guys who are perfect bits in theory for this scheme. And all of a sudden you want to change the scheme again, or is this more window dressing and it's probably going to be Sean Desai or Denard Wilson. And I, I, I was talking to a personnel guy yesterday and he framed it as, look, you talk to all these guys. If somebody blows you away, blows you away, you hire them. In a lot of ways, that's how Nick got the job. If not, you say, you go back and you say, you know what? We talked to everybody. Look at all these guys we talked to. And then you hire Denard Wilson and you run what you want to run. And it mm-hmm. sort of works both ways. From that standpoint, I'd like Wilson to sigh odds. If I'm placing odds more than the Banch Josephs or, or, or one of the college coordinators. Yeah, I agree. I think they're more likely to internally promote Denard. Or like, yeah, bring in Desai and kind of keep the language the same and say, we have 11 guys who are really good. Let's kind of let them run what they know and play fast. The One of the reasons why I like bringing in different dudes, you bring in college guys, right? Rob Jim Leonard, Jesse Minter uh, from Michigan as well, and Vance Joseph is because this Vic Fangio-inspired defense, it's been around for a bit now, right? It's made yeah. the rounds. Yeah. yeah. And accordingly, offenses have started to figure out, okay, this is what we want to get against this look. This is what like all right. This is their philosophy. We're going to take away the pass, the expense of stopping the run. Here's how we're going to get them into good run looks. And then we're just going to run the football. We're going to do it this way. All right, if they want to play, you know, drop this safety down. Here's we're going to run our over routes. Like you know, they they, they start to to find the weak points, the, the 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 gaps in the armor. So then when you bring in like a Sean Desai for an example, uh, Desai's had opportunity to coordinate and and affect multiple defenses now over the past few years in Chicago and in Seattle. Those defenses lost to the same stuff. Like those defenses were soft against the run and, and, and would lose to heavy personnel run teams, you know, uh, regularly, right. Uh, consistently. And so you start to wonder like, all right, does Desai have like the, the, the exact answer, like the very tricky, very specific answer to this one problem. Cause if he doesn't, and everybody knows he doesn't, then I'm not sure I want to like, all right, let's keep the, the language the same, let's keep the philosophy the same, but I don't have a, a, a creative guy in this in this scheme tree. I don't have like a, one of the generators of this family. I just have one of the offshoots. I have one of the branches who's just like, he's going to run the stuff that Vic taught him. He's going to run the stuff that Staley taught him. But when he's challenged with something new, he doesn't have a solution for it. Like a lot of being a good defensive coordinator, specifically to the defensive side of the ball, is being able to solve one week problems. Okay, like we're going to show them X. They're going to be X with Y. How do I get to Z? And that's when like just getting guys off the trees, getting branches can get tricky. And that's why you bring in a Vance Joseph and a yeah. Jesse Minter and you put it on the board and you go, okay, here's the problem. How would you solve this? And you start to get different ideas from different guys because you want a defense coordinator, a generator. You want a guy who can solve problems, create solutions on a one-week basis. That's why Spags is so good for the Chiefs. From week one to week 13, their defense doesn't do anything. They just try stuff. Like, what if we sent this guy? What if he's in coverage? Can we do this with him? Let's let all these rookies play. And then by the time you get to December, January football, they've got a lot of arrows in their quiver. They got a lot of tools in their bag and they can solve problems. And so that's why, like, I'm, I'm always careful about hiring the offshoot of the offshoot of the coaching. Right. So I bet Ben, I love that is my biggest criticism of Jonathan mm-hmm. Gannon. People say I defend him too much. I always get a, I, Jody will tell you this. I don't want the guy. I don't want the copycat. I want the innovator and, mm-hmm. and Vic. By the way, it goes to Miami. His first press conference is 
no, everybody's playing my deal. I don't like that, you know, because everybody gets you. We've been through this with Tony Dungy. We've been through this with Pete Carroll. We've been through this with Zimmer, with the A-gap stuff. Eventually, people catch up. I think they've already caught up to this scheme. Am I wrong, yeah. or or is it still in, yeah, in that phase? What what this defense, like when we say the Fangio defense, what we're, what we're really talking about is the the – 2020 season for the Rams when Brandon Staley became the defensive coordinator and like literally, literally just took a dude out of the box and put him at safety and was like, we're going to do this forever. And offenses for a whole year were like, what? You can't. No. Like it was just, there was one more body back and one less body in the box to defend the run than there typically was against all, like it was just minus one, minus one, minus one. And that was a, a philosophy shift. It wasn't so much a scheme shift. It is to a degree, but it's more so a philosophy shift. And that's why, like, when Vic says, like, everybody's running my stuff, I don't like that everybody's running my stuff. He's right because a lot of the league has gone, okay, we need to take this extra player out of the box. We need to have that extra body against the pass. Vic Fangio and Brandon Staley did this. Let's run their stuff. And the reality is that what, what's important is the philosophy shift. What's important is, is just the change of perspective. And that's why, like, Gannon didn't come from the, the Fangio-Staley tree, but his defenses were extremely influenced by that tree because when he took the job in Philadelphia, he said, I'm going to be light in the box. I'm going to find a way to get an extra body against the pass. It's the philosophy shift that's valuable. So we're going to stop the pass at the expense of stopping the run. So when you interview Jesse Minter, one of your first questions is, hey, where's the extra? You're going to take the guy out of the box? Stop the pass at the expense of stopping the run. So if he comes in, he's like, we're going to have a guy for every gap and we're going to stop the run. And the battle's one of the trenches. Just not where football is right now. You you have yeah. to be able to, to understand philosophically, yeah. stop the pass, expense, stop the run. So the philosophy effect of Fangio and Gannon, or Fangio and Staley, excuse me, very, very good, very valuable. You want to keep hunting that. Schematically, you don't need to like run, oh, Vic Fangio calls this, you know, cover eight. So we're running cover eight because it's what Vic runs. Like, we don't need that. We need the philosophy. That's the important thing in your next defense coordinator. All right. Speaking of philosophy, and you just made me think of this, and uh, I appreciate you doing that because I was going to bring it up at some point on the show today. Um, the way the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chief prepared for the year. Now, I know Andy Reid in 2022 is not Andy Reid 1999 because I was here in Philadelphia in 1999 when he had his first camp ever. The game has changed. The National Football League has changed. Even the way Andy preps for a season has changed. But he's still as old school as anybody else in the league. If you're only competent to the other 31 teams, he puts more time and effort into practice. He works them a little bit harder in preseason. Certainly harder than the Philadelphia Eagles do, who run one of the most lax uh, preparations in the National Football League to get ready for a season. Now, I had to give the Eagles a ton of credit because I questioned it and go, hey, what happened to practice makes perfect? They, they got upwards of an hour and a half. They're done in 35 minutes. What the hell? Hey, get them off. Get them in the, let them let them rest. But it worked for the Eagles. They were healthy for the Super Bowl. But again, bottom line is the last team standing was the Kansas City Chiefs. And they put in more prep time than almost anybody else in the National Football League compared to a team that puts in maybe less press time, uh, prep time than anybody else in the National Football League. And my grasping at straws here, did that have nothing to do with the outcome of the Super Bowl? Or can the Chiefs kind of uh, bang their chest go, see, our way works. Uh, practice right. does make perfect. The Eagles play the Chiefs in week one this upcoming season. I think it'll matter. It matters in that sort of a game in September a lot more than it matters in a February game. I think by February, you know, 
who you are as a team. You've taken a lot of hits. You've done a lot of tackling. You're up where you're supposed to be in terms of physicality. You've made your mistakes. You've installed your stuff. You've changed your stuff. You're all right. I think you see a lot of the the, the teams that relax and don't do as much physical stuff in, in August, right? Who, who've ramped practice times down, who have, you know, a ramped shell days down. Like, I think you see those teams. Yeah, they'll come out the gate slow in week one. They might have an embarrassing week one loss. Think about Bills against Steelers a couple years ago, Packers against Saints a couple years ago, right? Just dead out the gate. But by the end of September, I think you're all right. I think you, you, you remember what football feels like and you're okay. By the time you get to February, I think it's negligible. And like you bring up, <laughs> Eagles were unbelievably healthy over the course yeah, of the season. Yeah. And, if, and the edge that you lose in terms of like not having great preparation and, 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 be, and stumbling out the gate week one and week two, in my opinion, is less than the edge you gain if you're getting one more starter healthy for a playoff run than you would otherwise just one to me is, is, is more meaningful. So I don't know just how like strong that, that correlation is health is a very tricky thing to try to predict and, and, and plan for in the NFL. So I'm not going to go and say, Oh, the Eagles are healthy this year. That means all their practice schedules were correct. I think that's still a moving target, but to me, like a February game isn't impacted too much by how much you're practicing in August relative to like the early season games. I want to circle back to where we started, Ben, and you mentioned Jalen Hurts and the uniqueness of the constant improvement Mm -hmm. year after year after year after year, which we typically don't see uh, with quarterbacks. You have lulls, you have valleys, you have peaks. Um, He's been pretty consistent uh, uh, with the upward trend. Um, a lot of that, I think, relates to his work ethic, his willingness to try to improve. A lot of that is player development. I, I often think about 1999 and that draft and Donovan McNabb coming with Andy Reid. What if some of those other guys got with Andy Reid and Donovan McNabb had to go to Cleveland or you know some disastrous organization at the time? I think player development is real is what I'm saying. Um, The Eagles had one heck of a supporting cast. You've done a lot of quarterback evaluation, as I mentioned. What what is the ceiling of this player? Can it go higher? Because the ceiling, if this is the ceiling, it's pretty good. I mean, I think you're pretty good with this. Can it go higher? If he can continue to make throws like the ones he made in the second half of the Super Bowl, yeah. Like, Hurts, in terms of making challenging throws into like tight windows this year. He didn't really have to do it too much. They do it down the field a lot, right? He'll just take a one-on-one shot to AJ Brown, take a one-on-one shot to Devontae Smith and be like, Hey, you're covered, but you're like really good. So just go make this catch. Like there's those tight window throws. And then there's, I can see half of Dallas Goddard. Let me put this ball up, you know, above the rim where only he can go get it. And he does like the, like those, like the crossing patterns and the patterns into the sideline. Like those are as big boy of throws as you can get. Uh, so to me, like that's an area where Hertz is really accurate downfield. He was less so accurate after the shoulder injury, but over the course of the season, really accurate vertical thrower down the field. Stuff that crosses his eyes left to right horizontal is stuff where he's not as accurate, but like the, the throws he was making in the, uh, in the, the Super Bowl there were impressive. And so that's the spot where you can get better. Uh, he continues to like not be the most comfortable guy in the pocket, right? He'll leave a pocket earlier than he should because he just trusts his legs so much. I don't know if that is even something you improve. Like I, I, I struggle to fault him for it. Cause he's so good out of the pocket. He's such a good yeah. runner when he talks to football, such that you don't want to discourage him from leaving when he feels like he should leave, but he can kind of calibrate that. It's something you saw Mahomes do right. 2019, 2020 Mahomes left a lot more pockets, a lot quicker than 2022 Mahomes did. Didn't 
negate or, or in any way, uh, you know, pull from his efficiency at all. It just was maturation of a quarterback, finding check downs, working within the scope of the offense. And so there's little stuff that absolutely hurts can get better on. I think that raises the ceiling a bit in general. I think this is about where you're going to see hurts be like, I think hurts right now isn't on the list of the top five quarterbacks in the league, but he's knocking on the door. And I think that that that'll be right around where he cycles over the course of his career. Right. will be, okay. He's probably not a Mahomes. He's not an Allen. He's not like the elite alien. How did this guy become a human being tier, but he's around that next tier. And it's just a matter of like settling into in what slot he is. So to me, like that's, you know, that's a playoffs every season, always have a chance to a Super Bowl sort of a ceiling. And yeah, he's almost there. Jalen's alien traits are on fourth down and one. And they got yeah, to right. change the rule on him yet. To, but still, nobody can push the pile, even without help. Eagles are still going to convert a whole bunch of fourth and ones next year without the tush push. All right, last thing for you. And if you have uh, already done this research, please share. If not, if this is a preemptive question, I'll apologize for it. Eagles have to upgrade their third wide receiver. We got no problems with Devonta. We got no problems with AJ. Quez Watkins dropped a bunch of balls this year. Didn't fight for balls against Dallas. Let Dallas into We all know the knocks on Quez. How about a philosophy switch at that position? Rather than a guy we know what Quez's strong suit is, he can fly. And he's going to get up open over the top. And two or three times a year, you're going to connect on a 60-yard touchdown. It's going to be great. But then there's every other play. Maybe a more like a Danny Amendola guy. Give me a smaller guy who's going to make the catch on third and seven for eight and fall down and get the first down. Doesn't have to be big play. Doesn't have to be over the top. But just somebody who can catch the football. And maybe I'm overreacting to Quez dropping the football. But give me a possession receiver in the slot rather than a you were going to hit him long type receiver. A, good philosophy. And B, is there a free agent out there that would fill that void for the Eagles? Yeah, I like the idea of a possession receiver as their third receiver. I think you can keep speed as like wide receiver four, wide receiver five, get him on the field occasionally, but he doesn't need to be your third receiver. I would say that instead of going small, they'll go big, right? Like think okay. about Zach, Zach Pascal, right? Where like yeah. uh, Pascal, like Stoutland, when Stoutland talks about Pascal, he's like, this is one of the best non-offensive line blockers I've ever seen, right? And that player is really valuable in terms of the Eagles' RPO game, right? Run fast option, just their general run game, right? You go 11 personnel, three receivers on the field, but Zach Pascal's that third receiver. You have an additional blocker that really adds a layer to the running game. You send this guy in motion, make him a lead blocker for Jalen Hurts. Like, I think if they go for a possession receiver, they'll go for a bigger body. Alan Lazard is a sort of a free agent that makes sense for that. Jacoby Myers can do that. I think they'll get outpriced from Myers, right? I think Myers will be, you know, too big on the free agent market. Uh, Juju Smith-Schuster is around. Juju doesn't block as well as he used to, though, because he's gotten banged up a lot. So he's not nearly the physical player he was. Robert Woods got cut by the Titans. That was long time his role with uh, with uh, the Los Angeles Rams. That's the sort of dude that I'd imagine they look for. I don't think they'll go Yeah, they undersized. wanted Robert Woods yeah. before he went to Tennessee. Then. Yeah. yeah, so I'd be surprised if they go undersized, like the Amendola mold, like you said. I think they, they're more likely to go for a bigger mold. They'll keep speed on the, on the roster for sure, though. So even if they get, like, they let Pascal walk and they improve on him with, like, you know, Robert Woods. The Quez will still be on the roster and he'll still probably like be wide receiver three. It's just Woods will have a, a, a family of snaps on early downs when they want to involve him in the in the blocking game in the run game. And then Quez will have a family of snaps on later downs when they just want to stretch the field, make more room for AJ, make more room for Devontae. 
Uh, bigger issue at Benjamin Solak. Uh, read uh, Ben at the ringer.com. Uh, does a tremendous job with our buddy Shield Kapadia on the Philly Special podcast. Um, you know, last year, one of the underreported parts, I think, of the Eagles' success was the continuity on the coaching staff. We're at four and counting now. Both coordinators are gone. Nick Rollis is gone. Uh, the Eagles thought he was a future defensive coordinator. It was right. <laughs> He's already a defensive yeah. coordinator at 29. Joe Casper, a little bit lesser, but he's gone. Um, continuity of the coaching staff versus all the free agents. Bigger problem for the Eagles moving forward. I think it's all the free agents. Uh, it's not to diminish the value of the coaching. Like Losing both their coordinators is tough. Uh, and the Eagles have done a nice job, I think, over the course of just like Lori's ownership of developing coaches in the building, let alone what we've kind of seen from Nick Sirianni and, and kind of wondering what it'll be like in his first moment now where he's got to replace some coordinators. I think in general, they have a good philosophy there. It is a big deal. I don't want to diminish it at all. But Javon Hargrave plus James Bradbury plus Josh Gardner Johnson plus TJ Edwards plus Miles Sanders plus Isaiah Mall, it's a lot. I think it's got a, they're a really talented team. Uh, and a lot of these dudes are approaching free agency. They're not going to be able to bring them all back. Cap's going up, but it ain't going up like that. Uh, and, and this is a team, like I said, they lined up and played on defense and they lined up and played on offense. I mean, they walked out on offense, ran a college offense, just dominated NFL defense. Yeah. They were so, yeah. so, so talented. Such that, People get uh, mad at me, Ben, yeah. uh, when I tell them how simple the Eagles offense is. Tell them the Eagles. It, offense it's is it's simple. not a slight. It's a compliment. <laughs> no, right? I well, know. Everybody else got to yeah. do like 10,000 things on the chalkboard. Yeah. Coaches in the room at 2 a.m. living on Red Bull, trying to figure out yeah. a way to get an explosive passing play. And the Eagles are just like, what if we just throw it to AJ? Could we do that? That'd be good. That'll work. <laughs> like it's, it, it, keep it simple, stupid. They yeah. went and got uh, they got a quarterback who puts a unique stress on a defense. They play 11 on 11 so they can run the football. Uh, they went and they got receivers that can win against man coverage so that that way when you have to put that extra player in the box to get man coverage on the outside, they'll win with that. And then they got a, a play caller in Shane Steichen. And this is where I really think their losses might hurt them. They got a playing caller in Shane Steichen, who's just like a he was like a boxer with feel. Man, he was like yeah, a pitcher man. with like a sense on the mound. You just had a just, great description. He is a great play caller. Always just knew like he, he just would hit you with with the same little run, the same little run, the same little run, and then the moment you as a defensive coordinator adjusted, he was already there with the counter. Like he just he could feel when a guy was 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 ready to counter, and he would just be one step ahead. Just a wonderful, like, sequential play caller just understood the game. And I'll be curious to see how they replace that. Because 2021, Nick Sirianni gives up play calling. Shane Steichen gets it. And, and that was the first spark for this offense. That was the first, yeah. like, oh, we got yeah. something here with Jalen Hurts. And so uh, Steichen, I think, is, is a really big loss in that regard. But in general, yeah, if you can be simple and just line up and play and, and consistently score 30, why would you do anything else? It, it, it's a testament to how well the roster's built and a testament to the coaching staff understanding the players that they've got. So – Love their simple offense. It's awesome. It's impressive. Um, but they, yeah, they, they're going to lose some of that talent. It's going to make things more challenging moving forward. And it may next year be necessary that they get a little bit more creative yeah. because uh, not all of the same uh, pieces are going to be in place. All right, last thing for me, and it's a completely unfair question. I love asking unfair questions. Got to do it. Hypothetical look into your crystal ball. The starting quarterback across from Darius Slay next year on the Philadelphia Eagles will be one of four things. The return of James Bradbury, the elevation of someone on the roster at Zach Mack, maybe. Mm -hmm. Another veteran coming in free agent, or trade, maybe how he makes a trade, 
but for a lesser salary than a Bradbury's going to get on the open market or a draft pick. Someone that how we will pick in April for potentials. Uh, Bradbury stays, Eagles elevate, they go find somebody else, free agent or trade, or they draft a replacement. Put them in order for me. Most likely to be starting across from Slay next year. One is draft a replacement. I'm, I feel pretty strongly about that. The The biggest weakness of this Eagles team that was never exploited or talked about was they had two corners, outside corners over 30, with no depth. None. Like Avante Maddox. Zach maybe, Mack, you're not a big Zach Mack fan? Nah, mm. I mean, like, I, I think they'll give him a shot to, to win it. I haven't seen anything from McPherson in his, like, very limited reps that makes you think, oh, this guy's really figuring it out. McPherson's also, like, he's tall, but he's not, like, the longest dude. Maddox is short. He's not <laughs> the longest dude. Like, they... They were living with two 30-plus guys in yeah, outside corner yeah. with nothing proven behind them. And Slay and Bradbury never missed time. And that was like living on a razor's edge. Uh, I definitely think they draft a guy. This corner class is nuts good. I love – like at 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 uh, 10 and at 31, you have – or excuse me, at 30. 30. You have really, yeah. really, really nice picks. Uh, and so I imagine draft a guy is top. Two, I would say, is, is the veteran trade and replacement, right? The pick up a guy, like, you know. The, the Steven Nelson, Ronald Darby, James Bradbury approach. Like, this is just what Howie does. They're going to cycle in veteran corners and, and see if they get lucky on a guy. And when you do, like, like with Bradbury, Bradbury had a rough season in 2021, played so much better in 2022. You just see how much it helps your team. Uh, I would say three is bring Bradbury back and see what his price tag looks like, see what he's in free agency. I would say four is internally promote. Just because if they're internally promoting – they're so like they're already thin when it was Slay, Bradbury, and then McPherson. Yeah. If you are just promoting McPherson, you got less than nobody behind him. And I imagine yeah. they've drafted somebody. <laughs> Remember, and beat out the, Mac. Yeah. Ben, last offseason before obviously they got James, and it was clear Stephen Nelson wasn't going to be back. You heard, ah, we love Zach McPherson. We love Tay Gowan. We love Carrie Benson Jr. Big, big Josh uh, Joby guy. Just loving yeah, it. It's Josh great, jo- man. Uh, yeah, I think Tay is on the Vikings practice squad. I think Kerry Vincent Jr. is in the XFL. So that oh, worked oh, out. Yeah, yeah they, uh, they yeah. like to do the carousel at corner. And again, when you hit, you hit, and it's nice. Um, but I, I've watched this entire cornerback class. There's like seven dudes that are round one players. It's bananas. It's as good as I can remember. They got to get somebody. If they walk yeah. out of round one without a corner, I'll go ballistic. Then we will get you back up to talk about potential draftees at all positions and Eagles offseason. Did a great job for us today. Thank you very much. We will be reaching out to get you back on the show soon enough. Thanks, Jerry. Thanks, John. Appreciate y'all. Our Thanks, pleasure. Man. Ben Solak from The Ringer and his, you got to check out his Philly podcast. They call it uh, creatively the Philly special. He is special, Capani. baby. Yeah, Ben knows his stuff, man. Ben he knows does. his stuff. He He's, is. Uh... Uh, he very knows good. steam I... and and uh, you know he's great evaluating quarterbacks and uh but yeah gannon gannon wanted to run the Fangio defense year one but you can't do it with jenard avery and jayvon great playing nose tech no you you and to howie's credit the he got through to howie and said let's here's what i need if i'm gonna run the defense i want to run here's where you need to give me ta- different talent upgraded talent and damn if Howie didn't go out and get it for him. All right, McMullen and McDonald coming back. We need to put a bow on the show.
Philadelphia fans were cut from a different cloth. Born into a brotherhood and bonded to our team for life. We believe anything is possible because we've witnessed the impossible. While we may be from different neighborhoods, come Sunday, we are one and we will be heard. Pondley Hockey, official partner of the Philadelphia Eagles. Go for the beers, go for the cheers, go for the hit and the hits, go for the scene, go for the screens, go for the gallery, go for the win, go to ocean. Hi everybody, my name is Jason Lombardi, I'm an inspector at DryTech. At DryTech we offer three major services, the first one being basement waterproofing, the second service we offer is foundation and structural repairs. And then the third service that we offer is mold remediation. If you feel you are having a waterproofing issue, give DryTech a call or check us out online. My name is uh, Fran Salerno, and I'm a managing director here at DelVal Insurance Group. Been in the business for over 36 years, saving people money on their insurance needs. Give us a call. Let us help you custom design an insurance plan that meets both your needs and budget. Sixty-five. Uh, part of that is my fault because John and I were arguing when we punched Jeff Carr up and he didn't talk to him for the first three minutes. We had poor, poor, poor Jeff, man. Yeah, I apologize he, to Jeff. He is a trooper, and we love him. Uh, so that pushed us back late, and then both Ben Solak was as good as he was, so we ran late with him. So we got no time left here. So I'm only going to ask you one question before we exit stage left. Twenty-two hours before we come back. Will we find out if the Eagles have had a interview or scheduled an interview with the former Bears defensive coordinator and assistant head coach of the Seattle? Will we know if they've gotten something done? Because as of now, nobody's reporting that they've already had to meet. They asked for permission to have it. Yeah. Is he going to be another virtual guy, which I still don't understand? Well, they got to interview somebody in in uh, in person to uh, satisfy the Rooney rule. So, um, you know, they could travel to him, vice versa. But, you know, he's of Indian descent, so he would count uh, for the Rooney rule. Um, yeah. So they have to do that with somebody. But, okay. yeah, at, at some point it's possible. I mean, stuff. And remember, the combine out. is now five days away. Yeah. which I know it's not hard and fast, but 
most teams will tell you, you'd like to have your key defensive coaches or offensive, your, your key coaching staff members in place before you go to Indianapolis. So they really should try and get yeah. this thing done in the next five. I days. hope they do. You know, Aaron Rodgers has concluded his darkness retreat. So Ooh. our darkness retreat starts uh, after tomorrow's show. So I hope they do something. It will certainly be leading into the weekend for us. But we got one more show to do this week. John McMullen, Jordan McDonald, we'll be back here tomorrow on a non-football Friday. And that comes up in two and two. You've been listening to Birds 365. The destination for the passionate Eagles football fan who bleeds green. If it's Eagles football, we're talking about it. Debate inside the locker room and guests that are some of the greatest football minds from around the region. We hope you enjoyed the show. We know we had a blast. Make sure to like, comment, and subscribe. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hook up with us on social media at Jacob Sports. See you next time on Birds 365. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.